Welcome, this is the Sales IQ Podcast. My name is Luigi Prestonenzi, and I'm on a mission to help salespeople be the best sales professionals they can be. Each week, we'll bring you a different message from thought leaders from around the globe, so we can help you master the art of selling. Welcome to another episode of the Sales IQ Podcast. I'm your host, Luigi Prestonenzi, and as always, I'm pumped, honored, and excited that you have joined us for what will be a great episode today. This week, we're joined by my good friend, Rana Kodahi. Rana is a sales mindset coach and someone that, you know, over the years, I've had the great opportunity to learn a lot from, and I'm really excited about bringing you this episode. We're going to talk about all things mindset, and, you know, I keep banging on about why mindset is so important, but with everything going on right now, mindset is absolutely key. We can all be forgiven that, you know, we might have not found it easy these last couple of months. I know I've certainly had days where I've really been wondering what the hell is going on. But we don't want to have a period like what we're going on right now to stop us from what we do so well as sales professionals. You know, let's not use this opportunity as an excuse to why we shouldn't pick up the phone, why we shouldn't prospect, why we shouldn't be talking to to our prospects and helping them achieve a better outcome. So I'm really excited about bringing this episode and helping us all build more of a growth mindset. So guys, continue to like, rate, engage with us. Keep sending those LinkedIn messages. Absolutely love receiving all the great feedback from you all. Um, We're bringing you more podcasts over the next couple of months. We're going to be adding a couple of more episodes just to make sure that we can keep giving you content that will help you be the best sales professional you can be. So before we get into it, we have a message from our sponsors, Vanilla Sales. So guys, for all of you out there, for most sales professionals, we are all using a CRM. You know, CRM was designed for managing relationships. However, sales engagement is designed for starting them. Now, current stats indicate that sales reps only contact new leads about 50% of the time and make less than two attempts to contact them and are only about 35% productive. CRM is the wrong tool to engage sales prospects. VanillaSoft is a sales engagement platform like no other. It allows you to rapidly turn marketing qualified leads into sales qualified leads. So guys, if you're using another sales engagement platform, stop right now and head over to VanillaSoft.com. Get yourself a free trial because it will help you close more deals. It will help you have more conversations so you can get more opportunities in your pipeline and close more deals. So thank you to the team at VanillaSoft for bringing you this podcast on how to close more deals. Welcome to the show, Rana. Thank you, Luigi. I'm excited to be here. And I'm excited for you to be on our show finally. I've been asking you for months to come on our show. Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) I've been asking you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, before we get into the topic of you know, reverse marketing and what is reverse marketing and prospecting and everything to do with the world of selling. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you started in this wacky, wild world of sales. So, I mean, as you know, the the classic story of I never planned to be in sales. I actually wanted to be a filmmaker, actor. I was an artist. and But I've always been selling since I was young. I just got jobs in telemarketing 
all that kind of stuff. And then one day, and my boss invested millions of dollars in these bathroom products and the phone was not ringing and he's that's the only job i had and then i realized like a month later the phone was not ringing there were no customers coming to this and it was to sell to uh cons- plumbers and builders and architects these bathroom and construction products so what i did is i picked up the phone and i started making cold calls i went on the internet i started researching and he was in china so i took his you and i started going out cold canvassing door knocking saying, hey, do you want to buy our bathroom products? And within a month, I had uh, closed like a $300,000 sale for all these vanities and mirrors and toilets and that. And then my boss was so happy that he promoted me as a sales manager. And then he grew, like we grew the company to almost losing the company to like multi-million dollar uh, company. And that's, that's how I fell in love with sales. I realized without, like he had the marketing set, but you needed to go out there and do that business development side. And I realized without selling, the you know, your organization is just going to mm. not survive. And that's an incredible story. You know what? That's not a story of a concept or a theory. That's a real life story that you executed a plan to find more customers and you did it. You went where the customers were and you got them and you, and you sold to them. Yeah, I mean, they weren't, I don't think they were sitting there on the line Googling bathroom products. I think they just were uh, probably relying on the plumbers to just say, hey, do you know somebody that's going to, um, that, do you know someone that sells bathroom products? So it's just getting in front of them at the right time and giving them a better offer than what they already know yep. as well. So that was my starting point into selling. But I then I went into uh, real estate. Uh, I, then I sold timeshares, which was a very hardcore. Like I actually learned all my sales skills in timeshares because I had to close the customers in 90 minutes, although that was very high pressure kind of selling. But for you to be able to build rapport and learn all the sales skills that you ha- you needed to be able to close that sale and then, then take that those skills into a B2B situation. And it, it was almost like you can relax in a sense that you're not having that high pressure. Like for me, building relationships and those touch points, that's like, that's like heaven for me compared to the timeshare selling. And I find it quite easy in, yeah. in it, doing B2B compared to uh, transactional selling. Okay. So before we talk about the topic, and I really appreciate you sharing us about your, your past and, and where you've mm-hmm. come from to, to get to where you are today, what does selling mean to you? Selling means to me, well... To be honest with you, no one's ever asked me that question, so let me think. But I mean, selling means to me, what it means to me, especially in a enterprise selling or even in a transactional selling is helping somebody relieve their pain. So a lot of times we buy because we have a pain, whether whether it's emotional, whether it's a business pain. And there's a lot of people out there that um, are not sleeping at night because they have business problems that need to be solved. And there's people that are losing their jobs. There are um, budgets that are cut. And if you believe in what you're selling and you have the right solution and you know, like not 100%, but 90 plus percent that you can make a difference, then you are relieving someone's pain. That's what, how I look at selling. Oh, it's a fantastic response. You know what? That is a caption that we're going to plaster over social, that selling is about relieving someone's pain. So I really like that. Thanks for sharing that with us. I better, cop- I better copyright that. <laughs> no, so look, for, for our listeners that don't know a lot about what you do now, um, you know, you're a sales mindset 
sort of expert, you work with organizations, especially, you know, ones within the employment services sector. But tell us a little bit more about, you know, how you help organizations build better sales strategies and grow their revenue. So um, I think that's kind of, so you want me to explain more about what I do in employment services or how I help them? Yeah, what what do you actually do? So a lot of, you know, we've got a lot of listeners here from, from the US and the UK um, employment services. So what is employment services? So, okay. So I've worked in many sales capacities and I've also worked in employment services and that is um, recruitment sales, but helping unemployed people into work. Uh, and usually it's people that have long gaps uh, or have disabilities or have been out of work for a long time or have barriers. So in this job, they hire altruistic people uh, and they expect motivation with their resumes etc but however there's another side which is you have to get pick up the phone and make calls calls you have to go out there and door knock and you have to sell these people you have to market them to employers I found that gap and I found that niche because I was pretty good at it I was like when I was in this job I was winning awards for placing the most people into work and they asked me what is it that you're doing like this was when I was in London by the way because I've worked in Australia and London and sorry, in Sydney and London. And they said, what is it that you're doing? Why are you getting tripling your targets compared to your colleagues who are put on performance like measures? What is it? And you're just, you've just arrived to the UK. You don't understand the territory. And I said, well, this is what I'm doing. I have a whole sales strategy. I learned this sales because I had thousands of hours of sales training even before I got to this job. And then they asked me, can you write this training for our staff? And I said, yeah, that's fine. Then they said, do you want to apply and, uh, for a learning development role? I said, yeah. I applied for the role. I got the role. I started delivering this training across the UK. I came to Australia and then I started the company. Yeah. I started as a mindset. So I started the company and it's a niche uh, helping employment service providers teach their employment consultants how to sell. So that's what it basically is. But there's a story behind it of how I actually got into it. Okay. So how did you get into it? How I got into employment services? Yeah. How I got into employment services was randomly, I met this woman who was uh, wanted to leave her job. She said, do you want to get a job helping um, unemployed people? And I actually didn't realize that it had a sales element. I just thought, oh, yeah, I can take a break from sales and I can help people because I've also wanted to be a psychologist. So I was there the first week. It was at Mission Australia. And then my boss is like, make these cold calls. And, you know, so I, I, I quickly realized that it was a sales role and they hired me based on my sales skills. So I fell into it by a mistake. Okay. So it wasn't like you're in school going, I want to be selling in employment services. No, I was in school going, I want to be on Neighbours and Home and Away when I'm older. I I paid 40 (laughs) grand for my – I went to drama school, by the way. So I was in drama school for three years. I was in theatre, acting, camera, or you name it, writing. And that's what I wanted to be. So I had no intention of ever doing anything. Even having my own business would have been like. So, so that's really interesting, right? So you've gone, you've done a lot of acting. How has the acting and, you know, work in that creative environment helped you be a better sales professional? It's helped me a lot with my confidence. It's helped me with rejection because in, in acting, it's quite ruthless. So you will get rejected. The acting teachers aren't so kind to you. If you're not doing a great job on stage, they will tell you. They really um, 
yeah, they, they, if you've ever watched those reality TV shows, uh, those singing shows, I don't watch reality TV shows, but you know the ones where they have singers and they, they're quite ruthless in their feedback. So it did help me with my confidence yeah. and just having that resilience. And also it helps me with when I'm a trainer because for me, I performed a lot on stage and I had to learn how to have stage presence. So that was a big part of me like owning the stage. So when I'm training, I yep. just remember those techniques of how can I own the stage and how can I project and make everybody feel um, like pick up on what I'm trying to say. So I use a lot of those techniques in even present presenting. Okay, fantastic. Thanks for sharing that with us. So, you know, we're now going to get into the topic where um, you you do a lot of workshops, you work with a lot of you know, recruiters and employment services businesses in reverse marketing. Now, what the hell, for those listening, going, what is so, reverse marketing? If you Google the term reverse marketing, you're going to get the marketing advertising type of bringing people to you. But in employment services, it's a term, a lot of knowledge that has been used from the 90s, and it means something completely different. It basically means employer prospecting. I personally can use the term employer. I can use prospecting when I use... Um, when I post things. However, I want to speak the language of my niche. And this is something a lot of people in sales don't really um, get. Like they want to speak the language of everyone. So the reason why I re use reverse marketing because there's only those 2%, those are the, the, who matter to me because I, those are the people that I want to sell to. So 98% of people don't really get what reverse marketing is, but really it means employee prospecting. Prospecting. Okay. So what does it mean? So, so just to clarify, it's about you're prospecting a candidate to a company or you're prospecting to a company saying we can help source high quality candidates for you. Yeah, it could be either. So many times you could prospect a job seeker, a candidate, and these are people who are on welfare and they are unemployed and they have to look for work. Um, yeah. But they, the organizations are contract. So job service providers are contracted by the government to help those people into work. So if they don't get a certain amount of people into work and they don't sustain those roles for say, you know, um, three months, six months, 12 months, they would lose their contract and they would lose their jobs. So they have to then get on the phone and either market one person, market a group of people or just market the, the services that they provide. So it depends if you're going into like a low friction type of low threat, you don't want to scare the prospect, then you can just call and make an introduction. Like you're not trying to sell hard okay. sell. If you want a hard sell, then you go and sell the individual. You market that individual. Okay. So what I'm hearing you say that the reverse marketing concept that you have become an expert at is essentially a prospecting methodology that mm. you've tailored for the employment services sector. Yeah. It's basically, yeah. and I just use the term reverse marketing does not mean anything ex else. It doesn't, it's not, it's basically employer prospecting. That's what it okay, means. Okay, cool. I just use a jargon of my prospects. Yeah. So you've got a, um, a methodology, right? So are you able to share what that methodology is and how you go about executing that methodology? So what I, the methodology that I teach? Yes. So what I teach my uh, students uh, uh, is in five phases. So the first thing I teach them is mindset. So obviously how to build confidence, how to anchor the, the confidence, that growth mindset, how to setting your goals, visualization, all that type of stuff. Once we get them confident, then we talk about the prospecting because 
there's no point for you to close or to learn sales skills if you don't have customers, right? So we talk about how can we do the hunting and then the farming, which is hunting, the cold calling, the chasing, the, you know, following up. The farming is more building your personal brand, your profile, the acts of service, all that kind of stuff. Um, and obviously how to make those calls, how to grab the, their attention within five minutes, all that kind of prospecting stuff, how to write a great email. After then we, we, talk, we get into that phase. Then we uh, get into phase three, which is the sales tools, sales techniques, the discovery, overcoming objections, uh, how to close, how to have that great conversation, how to buying psychology, all that kind of stuff. And then after that phase, after they go away, there's a three month program. And then there's phase four, which is the um, strategy, which is a blueprint they have to complete with their managers. Then I work with their managers over a three-month period. Every two weeks, I meet with their managers for an hour on a call. And we go through different, um, like the implementation. And I teach them how, I teach them the techniques that I taught their staff, although they have to be on the training themselves. Okay. And I, then the phase five is the implementation. Are they implementing and repeating? So there's certain things they have to do where they have to repeat some of the learning that they did. And okay. that's, that's, that's as simple as I can explain it. So let's take it back to the very first pillar that you, you, know, you, you develop people's skills around. The first pillar around prospecting. Which is... In all the people that you're, you know, all the, you know, the outreach component, the chasing, the canvassing, et cetera, mm -hmm. in, in all the people that you've trained, what's the biggest barrier that you've seen, um, you know, that, that, that people have, uh, that have had or put up yeah. that stops them from, from taking action? It's basically the fear of rejection and yeah. the confidence. That's what's stopping them. And the tool that they're most scared to use is the phone. Okay, and why they do you love, think the phone is, is something that they fear? I think because they, they recognize that calls are annoying and they, they've been that person that receives those calls. But I try and explain to them, what I'm teaching you is a more consultative approach. What you're used to is a telemarketing approach. We're taught, I'm teaching you teleprospecting, which is very different. So it's trying to get them to understand the consultative and the teleprospecting side. And it's not really a telemarketing. And once they actually understand that, you see that, that kind of they they that they take that breath yep. of relief. So tell me when you when you think about telemarketing, teleprospecting, how do you differentiate the two? Well, telemarketing is when you are calling and yep. you just want to sell, and it's usually when you're telemarketing, you want to sell an internet package or you want to sell an insurance package or funeral, whatever. And many times it's you hang up the phone and next call. So yep. you're not building a pipeline. Teleprospecting is, well, the first call really, it's to warm it up. It's about firstly building awareness, creating some form of touch point relationship. And number three, it's about the discovering, uh, you know, uncovering what the, their needs are. Okay. So, so you really, so, so the first part is, is really you're conducting prospecting calls mm. to start the level of, start some form of engagement. Yeah. And, I mean, it's one of those in the part of the sales cadence and one of the touch points. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. And so once that, once you've sort of broken that, you know, imaginary barrier that people have to, you know, the phone and that, that, that tension drops, um, you know, where, where do you find that, um, you know, where do you find the process breaking down? So once they overcome the fear of the yeah. phone. So they've overcome okay. fear of the yeah. phone. Where's yeah. the next opportunity that you see, mm. um, 
you know, some of the challenges that your students or your participants have when, when executing phone calls? That's a good question. So even some of the ones that don't have a fear of the phone, they want to pitch too early. So they go into the pitch. And the breakdown is even when I've taught them many times that you have to do a discovery and then I observe them, if I've ever coached any of them, they always go back to their, their pitch because the pitch is comfortable. Yep. Asking questions is actually a little bit more intimidating because you're, uh, you're being a little bit, you could be a little bit intrusive. Some people don't want to answer your questions and I say that's fine. You know, some people, but you have to know the types of questions that you want to ask and you had, have a great framework that you, um, I learned from you, which is, which I'm teaching them now. Sorry, I, I probably stole, which is, I don't know if, if it's your framework or you learned it from somebody, which you ask the situation questions, yeah. what's happening now. Then you ask the past, yeah. um, you know, how they bought in the past. And then you ask future questions. Absolutely. Yeah. So I've been teaching them that. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just like, I've been teaching them <laughs> that because I used to teach them spin selling kind of, but it always yeah. confused people and they could never get it. So I just thought this is quite simple. So if you ask situation questions, it's not, um, you're not going to threaten them or mm. you're not asking intrusive questions on the phone. Yep. Maybe you might not want to ask their challenges straight away. So it just depends. So the breakdown is there, but then the next breakdown is that following up, the follow-up mm. okay. and building the pipeline. Because people, some people don't want to um, follow up because it's actually more intimidating when you want to follow up. Now they remember your voice, they remember your, who you are. They know who you are. When it's a cold call, it's not as intrusive. It's not as um, intimidating because that you're just a voice on the phone. Yeah. So yeah. tell us about. You've obviously trained some really high performers, right? Yeah. When you look at some of those high performers that you've trained, what are some of the characteristics that they exhibit that make them so good? I think they are very mission led. So, for example, the high performers that I've trained. They might not even know anything about sales, but they're hitting their um, quota or they're hitting their job placement targets is because they think about the reason. So they work on the mindset, number one. So if you have the right mindset, you have the confidence and you're very mission driven and you're like, I know my why. I know this is why I'm picking up the phone. And you have the why, not just for yourself, but for the customer, for your colleagues and also the why for the company. So my why for my company is I want to um, help the company grow because I want to create more jobs. Yep. The why for my colleagues is I want to um, make sure that we keep our jobs and also I, want, I don't want to put pressure on them uh, where there's a toxic environment when we're not selling. The, the why for my customer is I want to help this customer solve these problems and you know sometimes you could be saving marriages that you don't even know. Because yeah. when you are, even in recruitment, when you help somebody put someone in for 15 hours a week, because in employment services, you can put somebody for 15 hours a week and you can help them with part of the wages. So 15 hours a week could save someone's marriage because they're spending 15 hours with their family. Yeah. And then I think about all the reasons why do I want to succeed, you know, with my, for example, in my business, I want to succeed, not just from... I want to succeed because I want to have financial freedom. I want to be able to buy a house for my mom. So when you work on your mission and the, your why, I think, and those are the people that I've seen because when I talk to them and I ask them what is, and they say, you know what, I actually don't really understand anything about sales, but I know before I pick up the phone, I think about my job seeker. I think about why I'm doing what I'm doing. Yeah. So that's that's awesome. That's a great response. You know, when you think of, you know, I often say this, you need to know your why to help them buy. 
because our yeah, why like is that. almost as important as their why. Yeah. Now, you know, where we're on the subject of those characteristics that high performers exhibit, tell us about a time when you almost, you know, when you found it hard in sales. When I found it hard in yeah. sales? Yeah, or, or did you have a time when you found it really difficult? Mm. Okay, I'm trying to think. I, I mean, in time shares, it was pretty, very hard. Yeah. Because many times it was a high-pressure situation. So yeah. uh, you had people that you didn't build great relationships with when you had to try and close them. And, you know, we were taught how to do hard closes. If you've ever seen those movies, Glenn, what is it? Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. and Yeah, those kinds yeah. of, like, we were taught that kind of style. So I found it very difficult. But also, so... But it also taught me what not to do going yeah. from a high-pressure selling. Another, another time I found it hard was when, okay, I know what I need to do, but I don't have the motivation. So mm. not having that motivation can really affect me wanting to get on the phone, me yeah. wanting to have those conversations, and that can bring my sales down. Yeah. So, so that's interesting, right? Because for those that don't follow you, and I'm sure they'll follow you after this episode, you have built up a pretty um, – a pretty good following on LinkedIn. You know, I think mm -hmm. you have 20,000 followers um, or maybe more now from the last time I checked, but you got a lot of activity that happens on your profile um, and you've built a very solid brand and you generate a lot of inbound traffic, right? Um, but I, I do remember having a conversation with you one day when you said, you know what, um, is that social activity shouldn't replace my outreach activity. You know, mm. tell, us, tell us why you share that viewpoint. Oh my God, yes. You know what? You just reminded me because sometimes you're, <laughs> when you're asking me questions, like I have a bad memory, but this is your, I, there was a time where I found it difficult when my sales started to go down was because I started to rely too heavily on LinkedIn. So I teach social selling and I believe highly in social selling and I think, you know, I'm, a, I'm an advocate for it. But there was a time where I didn't understand about um, content so I was doing a lot of content and I had never experienced that, but I was getting like almost 4 million views a year. Wow. For you to get 4 million views a year, you're going to think, okay, influencer marketing, I'm going to have all these leads coming to me. And I kind of relaxed and I relied on that and I stopped doing outreach. Yeah. Outreach meaning getting on the phone, following up, um, doing outreach on LinkedIn, connecting with new people. I relied on that and that affected my selling. I, I stopped selling and, you know, that those that period over several months and it made me also a bit lazier mm. because I was just and you know I, I'm a film I, I came from a filmmaking background so for me to create content to write I love writing I enjoyed it so mm. I enjoy it more than outreach I enjoy yeah. it more than cold calling you know I'm sure most people do creating stuff so yeah that was so how did you f how did you flick that switch you know switch so you went from recognizing that you know, the change in your, I suppose, activity levels was yep. impacting your performance. So you had that, you know, that, that EQ to have awareness. Yeah. You know, how did you flick that switch and, you know, develop the habit of outreach again? Because I was looking at my numbers um, compared to what I was, when I was doing outreach and I wasn't uh, depending on LinkedIn and that made me realize that switch and I had to, like, I basically stopped making videos. I posted a video maybe yesterday, but I, I stopped making videos for many months, for maybe five months. And just yeah. all I did was 
create sales, um, a sales cadence on just LinkedIn as well. Yeah. But to be honest with you, I'm at the point where I have a pretty good pipeline. I have a good, um, I get referred a lot. So I'm not in the position in my company where I need to do a lot of outreach, but I have to sustain those relationships and I have to try and plant my seeds for my business for six months, right? Mm, absolutely. So that's what I mean because everything I'm doing now is going to impact me in six months, which yeah. I don't realize. I might have great sales, so many clients, I'm got abundance of sales, but people cannot get too comfortable and that's what happens. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that's, you know, well, that's really courageous that you, because a lot of people, you know, either don't have the awareness and don't make that shift quick enough yeah. and they get themselves into a real, I call it the oh fuck moment when yeah, okay, yeah. it's very difficult to get out of. Yeah. Um, and especially when you're working for an organization, when you start getting performance managed and, and all of a sudden that pressure mounts and it gets tougher and tougher, right? So, you know, the awareness piece is one thing and then taking action is another so if, if, if there are any listeners sitting here going, you know what, I'm at that point of I'm not there yet at oh fuck or I might be at the oh fuck moment, what advice can you give that would help people make that change? Is that if they've been just relying on content? If they've just been relying on, you know, pushing out social, they're not doing any outreach, they haven't got a combination approach, as our mm. good friend Tony Hughes talks about. They haven't got an omni channel combination talk about him approach. Now. Okay. Right? What would you what advice would you give them to make that change and become more proactive in prospecting? Okay, so before you even mentioned Tony Hughes, I was going to talk about him. So Tony Hughes did a great podcast last year and I think that was my aha moment when I listened to him. And he said, if you're a salesperson and you've got an SSI score over 80, you should be worried. Now, an SSI score, <laughs> meaning a social selling index of a high yeah. score, and pe many people are proud of their social selling index, uh, which that means they're always active on LinkedIn, they post a lot of content, they're you know, building relationships. And he said, because really, yes, you should be posting, but you should be posting in a way you position yourself. When people look you up, they see this is your stuff, but you should be out there talking to customers. So that was my aha moment. So my, my advice is, um, you know, as Tony Hughes says, you need a combination of prospecting methods in order to succeed in sales because your customers don't all hang out on LinkedIn yep. or they don't all hang out on, um, you know, they're not, you can't reach them through cold calling. So it's a matter of creating what's the best strategy for this customer and creating a cadence where you can firstly do create a lot of touch points, get the yes or the no, then you nurture that relationship and then maybe later you you do another cadence with that customer. And many times they end up coming to you yeah. from my experience. And that's a brilliant, you know what, I think that's that's some fantastic advice for any of our listeners sitting there that are either really proactive in outreach or they're not very proactive at all, is that, you know, when we talk about prospecting, it's not about one particular model. You have yeah. to have a multi-channel, you have to have an omni-channel, you have to have a combination approach. And put the buyer at the center of what you do. And that's what I like what you just said. You said, create a strategy for the customer. Not mm. for us. It's about designing something that's fit for purpose to help that customer through the buying process. So really appreciate you sharing that with us. Now, we'd love to know, you know, has there been one person that's really influenced you in your career and why? 
One person, do you mean somebody that I've worked with directly or somebody, somebody that you've worked with, a book that you've read, a podcast? I mean, I know you talk about Tony Robbins a lot. Is there anyone? <laughs> anyone in else? Particular? Okay. So, so, I mean, Tony Robbins is one, but let me, I should uh, think of somebody else. If it's Tony Robbins, it's Tony Robbins. Just tell us why. What, what impact so, has, it, has uh, that person had on you in your career? Okay. So, Tony Robbins, as we all know, he's. He's, he had great mentors and teachers bef even before. So it's not just him. It's all those great teachers that wrote books like um, Think and Grow Rich, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Those those were all his teachers. And, uh, you know, J John Rohn, I think he was one Jim of his Rohn. teachers. Yep. So all, Jim Rohn. All these people, uh, they've had great influence on me because before I found out about Tony Robbins and his teachers, I didn't understand what mindset was. And that's one of the reasons why I probably did not continue my acting career because I was very confident. I had some talent. However, I didn't know that, you know, persevering or resilience or giving up. So they, they've had great impact. I mean, because I think without having that mindset, you're not going to, I don't care what you learn, what sales skill, what strategy you have, you're not going to get anywhere. So if you don't work, and that's why mindset is number one. And I love in your course, you just showed me, your mindset was module one, hmm. which I love. So, yeah, yeah. Tony Robbins. Well, that's thank I, you. And I appreciate you sharing that with us because we've all had, I mean, I know I have. I don't know if we all, yeah. but I know a lot of people have had someone that's influenced them in both yeah. the positive and negative. You know, I've had some really positive um, people that have impacted my career and I've had some people that, you know what? I'll say they still positively impacted me because they've taught me exactly how not to do, you know, how not to sell, how not to lead, yeah. um, how not to treat customers. And so that's that abundant mindset where we can take some really positive things from everything, everyone in our career. So, you know, before we wrap up, uh, I would love to ask you a question. Is sales an art or science? I've heard you ask that question before. I should have known you are going to ask me that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's both an art and a science because you need the stats, you need the numbers, you need that, um, the, the, the process, but you also need the art, which is that communication, the, the rapport building and how, to, how you can influence people. So I, I think it's, but if I had to choose one, I think it's an art. Yeah. Number one. Fantastic. Yeah. And if you could go back and do it all again, what's one thing you do differently? One thing I would do differently is probably start building my authority from a very long time. So build, because I used to write, I've always been a writer since I was young, but I used to write under an Elias name. I never, I never, I was a bit shy to publish my stuff. So yeah, just put my name out there and build my authority. Oh, and also, um, yeah, also I, I'm, I'm a great believer in a bottom up growth approach which i discovered probably five years ago but i would have been doing that even earlier that's awesome yeah well i've really enjoyed you sharing um with us your story of where you've come a bit about reverse marketing prospecting and mindset and before we wrap up where can our listeners find you and connect with you you can uh find me on linkedin yep linkedin is a great place and we'll put show notes for everyone that's looking yeah so put show notes linkedin and connect with me and just reference that you've uh, you've seen this podcast because I sometimes I don't accept every I, I don't know maybe I'm a bit of a snob but I'm a little bit selective with 
my connection <laughs> I'm about to say <laughs> well awesome well Rana we really appreciate your contribution to the community especially here in Australia we need more female influencers more female um, sales experts you know contributing to our community so thanks for everything that you do Thank you. I, it was an honor to be on your podcast. I love you. I listen to your podcast. It's one of the <laughs> ones I, only ones that I really li- listen to, oh, the sales, we, from sales. There we go, folks. If I had my gong, I'd be banging my gong. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Thank you, Luigi.